Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Nice. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening. Whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. I am your other host, Susan Fox. And with us is the creator of Boston Metaphysical, Miss Madeline Holly Rosing. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We are so happy to have you back. This is your third time with us. I, I actually thought it'd been more, but I'll I'll believe you. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> she gets frequent flyer miles. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so your new project? Well, obviously it's you know Boston Metaphysical, which is a kind of a big deal now. And the first time we spoke to you, I think, was in 2017. And you had just, uh, you weren't even through your first, uh, first set of books yet. But now. But now, yeah, we, um, yeah, it's, it's become this thing that I never knew would, would become a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, we started with a six issue miniseries and, uh, so far have two standalone sequels, a prequel novel and a prequel anthology. And for those of your listeners who are new, never never heard of Boston Metaphysical Society before, uh, a quick logline for them. Uh, the basic premise is about an ex-Pinkerton detective, a spirit photographer, and a genius scientist who battles supernatural forces in late 1800s Boston. So think a mix of you know alternate history, steampunk, sci-fi, um, paranormal, and... You've, you've got it in one. And um, I also use, uh, I, well, I integrate historical figures into the storyline. Uh, in the original series, we had Bell, Edison, Tesla, and Houdini. And, in fact, one of the uh, continuing uh, characters, Granville Woods, uh, he's part of the Boston Metaphysical team. And he was also a historical figure that kind of got lost and... In my research, I found him and made him a part of the team. I love that you did that. I'm, the, I'm a big fan of the books, and the flavor of that era in American history is well captured in your books. And the the sense of adventure and the supernatural, uh, both all of them meeting in the same place, is just... <laughs> It's the perfect, uh, the perfect union. Well, thank you. Um, we try hard at that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, 
But yeah, so we are launching a Kickstarter tomorrow, January 22nd, Wednesday, mm-hmm. to print our next standalone sequel called Ghosts and Demons, as well as our first ever coloring book. Wow. And I what a coloring was, book. Yeah. I, <laughs> that kind of came to me and I thought like, God, there's only one person I really want to do this. And I didn't know if he'd be available or if I could afford him. And his name is Alejandro Lee, Mm -hmm. and I've known him for a number of years. We've met on the con circuit, and he has his own uh, kid steampunk series called um, Sally Sprocket and Piston Pete. It's very (laughs) cute. That sounds neat. Oh, yeah. And uh, he'd been traveling and just gotten back and was, you know, getting his life back together back here in the States, and... I talked to him and I said, I think he'd be perfect for this. And we worked out a budget and we're off. So he, you're going to love it. It's an all ages uh, coloring book. It has 20 gorgeous illustrations, you know, obviously of the main characters, but also, you know, Bell, Edison, Tesla and Houdini and some of the new characters, uh, new supporting characters. Um, so I'm really, really excited about the coloring book. I think people are, are really going to enjoy it. It's a different art style doing a coloring book. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, it, I think it complements Gwen's. I mean, Gwen has done the last three sequels, in, including this one, uh, Gwen Tavares, for mm-hmm. those of you out there who, who don't know. Um, she's done an outstanding job and uh, brings... Uh, I guess the best thing is like a level of maturity to the characters, which worked out really well because of everything they went through in the first miniseries. You know, it changed them. I mean, they all had an arc and it, when she came on board, it just, it was a perfect segue from Emily Hugh to, to Gwen. And uh, for those of you who think that, you know, like, I didn't fire Emily. <laughs> Emily moved on. <laughs> Emily is now doing storyboards for Nickelodeon and Marvel mm, and a bunch yes. of other places. So um, she has no time for me anymore. Um, and I am thrilled to death for that. Uh, I'm. She is really good. She's, she's so talented. And uh, we still uh, – Sometimes, you know, opportunities, people contact me and want to contact her. And so occasionally, you know, we'll chat and I'll say like, hey, this came up and I'll send her the information and, and uh, you know, she'll do whatever she wants with it. But um, so, yeah, we are still in, in – we'll, we're still in contact now and again. That's, That's good. And it speaks well for your project, the Boston Metaphysical Project, that it's a, it's a mature work and can withstand a change in art style. I mean, you know, Superman and Wonder Woman have had different artists over the years, and now so do you. Yeah. And, and probably at some point, you know, Gwen will move on for whatever reason. And uh, I mean, that's just that's just, that's just part part of life. <laughs> but I I really hope I can keep her on for at least uh, at least one more issue. The, what I've been seeing of it looks really good. Uh, the the visual uh, consistency of the books from the beginning has been actually quite good. And uh uh you've gotten some really good artists that are capable of 
maintaining that the the look and feel of the whole thing so that it always feels like Boston metaphysical. That's yeah, really kind of impressive. A lot of kudos to Gwen because she, I know particularly in the beginning, spent a lot of time doing research on uh, types of shoes for the time period. I mean, I would send her reference. I send her reference stuff, you know, images all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I send her the script, also like I just like oh, and here are all like you know a dozen or so images for to you to use as reference and anything from. Uh, the carpet bags, the tapestry bags that women used to use to, you know, all sorts of stuff. So you, you write the scripts for it, and um, it, I'm a little in the dark as to how one goes from a script to a finished drawn page. Uh, what are the steps? Um, it's magic, Jean. It's just magic. <laughs> well, I know she waves, that. She waves her magic parasol. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I mean, some some uh, some writers include uh, include drawings with their scripts, uh, and others don't. And there, it you have to have people at every step of the way, taking the words and converting them into visual imagery, and and then finally into the final drawn form. But uh, how do you how do you work with your artists and storyboards and all um, of that? Well, I write what I guess we would call more of a, a traditional script. Um, the way I was taught is, you know, I panel, you know, each, and there'll be a scene and break down the scene and I will capitalize uh, whatever is important for that panel that absolutely has to be in that panel, whether it be a person or an object or somebody's foot. Mm-hmm. Um, so the artist knows that that thing needs to be in that panel. There's a real reason why whatever I've capitalized has to be in there. And then I will give a, you know, a description of where they are and the time. And then I pretty much leave the rest up to her. Uh, I mean, you are, you hire artists for a reason to let them be an artist. So I try hard not to micromanage them Mm -hmm. in any way um, because I want their input. Um, but for, for the story and character to develop, certain things need to be in each panel and, you know, everything else is pretty much up to them. And, you know, Gwen and Emily have always done a a great job of translating that. Uh, when I was working with Emily, um, at one point she, she completely blew up the paneling on one of my pages and she said like, Oh, you know, I thought this would look really good. You know, I'm sorry if you don't like it. Just let me know. And it was it was gorgeous. I went like, no, 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 no. Keep it, keep it, keep it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll work around it. And and on my end, if they you know put together a panel that I absolutely love, and I you know don't want to cover it for with dialogue, um, you know, I'll change my dialogue. I will move things around. I mean, because that's part of the challenge for me is to be able, if, if they've put together, you know, something that, that looks marvelous, I don't want to hide it. Uh, so, the, the synergy effect. Uh, the yeah. the script feeds the art and the art feeds the script in a loop. Yeah. yeah. I That's mean, I do as pages, because she'll bring, she'll send me, uh, 
essentially roughs mm-hmm. of the panels. And so I can check to make sure all the essential elements are in the panel. Then I'll approve it, and then she'll ink it. She'll do it so I, you know, you can tell where everything is. And then I'll look at it again, you know, make sure everything in there is where it should be. Um, you know, if we have to, you know, change anything, I like to do it obviously at that stage before she does the coloring. Mm-hmm. Um, I will make notes. Um, you know, in the script and in notes back to her, like, oh, yeah, don't forget to do the, you know, the glowy thing for the ghost over here. I said, I know you're probably going to do it, but I just want to remind you. And she'll go like, yeah, yeah, I'll do the glowy thing. And and so we've worked together long enough. So when I say do the glowy thing, she knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, well, and, you know, things like they should not be drinking margaritas from a blender. Uh, there should be no cell phone on the table, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, That's Game of Thrones stuff. Ah, yeah, the coffee cup. Yeah. <laughs> the co- I mean, the that, famous coffee cup that's, scene. That's never, never happened. Um, but, and then I just keep, to me, it's, it's a whole layering process. So mm-hmm. each time she comes in with, you know, the roughs, I go and I redo dialogue, and then she comes in with the inks and then the colors, and each time I'm going back and revisiting and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And then when all the pages come in, I do like at least three or four more passes before it gets handed off to Troy. Wow. And so who are the people that you are working with on the current book? Uh, Gwen Tavares is doing the art and coloring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy Pateri is doing the lettering. And uh, my my pre-press guy is Jason dube uh scattered cat he's he's put together he's done the pre-press on everything so your artist is doing pencils ink and color yes wow that's a lot of work that yeah that's a lot of that's a lot to put on one person uh she does it well um i wouldn't normally recommend that just because when you when you hire an artist because they're different skill sets Mm -hmm. but she executes it really well, um, which is just a sign of her talent and ability. That's a whole artist right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, not everybody can do that. And, and that's not putting people down. It's just, it's just simply a different skill set. Once you get yeah. into the professional levels of, of production art like this, artists have specializations. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, you know, when I was working at the studio, you'd have some animators that were really good at mechanical stuff and others that were really good at uh, fur and hair and snow effects and things like that. And others were good at character animation and each had a specialization. And with comics, um, I haven't worked in comics, but I know people who do. Uh, you have – generally you have uh, pencilers and – uh, inkers. inkers and letterers and colorists. Colorists, yeah. And uh, occasionally you will also have a storyboard artist artist as a separate uh, as a separate task. Yeah, I know some writers who do storyboard their stuff out. Um, I'm not one of them because I that that's not in my skill set. I'll put it that <laughs> Well, and you have you're, you, you're doing it. You're just doing it in words. Yes. Yes. I mean, Emily, uh, 
what to me what Emily really excelled in is character nuance, emotional nuance in her characters were are, are phenomenal. Um, it's not to say that Gwen's aren't; they are. It's just you know everyone has their little thing, and then for Gwen, it's like her her detail is just amazing, and um, I, I do like the way she colors. It it's really it suits the subject matter extremely well. So how has Boston metaphysical changed your life? <laughs> Should I bring my husband in here now? Uh, <laughs> if you want, if he's handy. <laughs> um, he's still there. Yeah, he's still there. <laughs> After all yeah. this, he's still with you. And that says something really, really powerful about your relationship. <laughs> um. I would say it, it's essentially changed my life. I ten years ago, if someone said, "Oh, you'd be in, deep into independent comics ten years from now," I'd go like, "Ha ha ha! No, you're no, you're joking." Um, uh, you know, doing the con circuit, doing kickstarters. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a very different kind of life, and it's it can be rather overwhelming at some point as well. The weight of responsibility. All of this that you've created can come crashing down if you just turn away. <laughs> you know that feeling. Well, yeah, no pressure. It's running a small business. I mean, yeah. that's what I do now is, is I run my own business. And Boston Metaphysical Society is is my business now. That's awesome. So that is the day job now. That is the day job now. I, I actually wow. retired from my previous job uh, i don't know if you remember i used to be a fitness instructor for la fitness for many many years um and then i retired a little over a year ago because last january i had complete shoulder replacement surgery oh my gosh yeah so you're partly bionic now yeah i tell people i'm steampunk from the inside out <laughs> i had i did not know this wow yeah. so is it uh, uh like um, titanium parts and and nylon and no, it's brass railings and, <laughs> and a steam powered uh, <laughs> engine that follows her. Yes, um, uh, yes, I do have a, a titanium shoulder, um, the ball, and then the cup I believe is a, a Teflon. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That'll never wear out. Um, they say it'll probably be good for 40 years. Uh, but I do my, I, it does have uh, specs in that I'm not supposed to lift more than 25 pounds on my right arm, but I can lift up to 50 with both. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but no, it's, it's been great. I'm able to do things now that I haven't been able to do three years ago. So I'm very happy with it. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, now oh, that's something you have to think about constantly, though. Is this within my technical specifications? <laughs> Should I do this? <laughs> because ignoring that, you know, you don't get a second chance. You break it. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think my orthopedic surgeon would would be upset. Mm. Um, I think it would just more more pull it out of alignment than break mm -hmm. it. Uh, but I mean, that's his preference. I could actually probably lift more than that and do no damage as long as I didn't do it regularly. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, but one one bad day at the gym and that could be it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. 
Wow, that's kind of exciting too. No, but fitness people, you know, you you know, you stay within your weight levels, okay? You, yeah, they they understand that. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, it's it's actually not too difficult to stay within the the weight levels. Yeah, twenty five pounds on one arm is actually a lot. <laughs> yeah, it it is. So I'm I don't have a real problem with it. It's it's fine. <laughs> That's cool. This isn't the Boston Powerlifting Society. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your what is your uh, schedule like? What do you do? Um, I mean, apart from managing orders and managing your production, what going other to parts cons, of your apparently going to a lot of cons? How many How many do you do a year now? Uh, well, I've actually backed off quite a bit. I used to do about twenty a year, mm-hmm. and now I'm doing about. 10 plus maybe some additional like small events, small local events. Uh, essentially what I did was cut out most of the small cons except for steampunk conventions. Um, those are usually small, but that's fine. Cause that's a targeted demographic. And so those are the small cons I'll do, or I will be doing Shiro con, which I think is March. When is that? It's actually at the Westfield Mall, uh, March seventh. That'll actually Mall. be my first Don't con. Know. It's a little pop up at the Westfield Mall, I think, in Inglewood. If they're all uh, Westfield malls yeah, <laughs> anymore, they've, they've taken over. Engulf and Devour Incorporated. Yeah, but it's uh, it's just it's female only. Um, oh, okay. So all of the artists and makers there are all women and. Uh, Shaquita Smith uh, arranged it last year. She does Raven Choi. She does the um, comic Raven Choi. And uh, she did a fantastic job pulling it together. And uh, they asked her back this year. So we'll all be there. It was a lot of fun. It sounds like fun. Yeah. I got to go to that. So you you stopped doing a lot of the the smaller cons. Um, Yes. Was that a strategic decision? That was to allow me more time to actually be creative. <laughs> yeah, I see. At, at a certain point, I guess you have to, and you know, we did very much the same thing. We found out that uh, the smaller conventions really weren't delivering enough uh, benefit for us expending all the energy and, and, uh, and time and money to do them. Yeah. It, at some point you have to weigh the, you know, the cost benefits of doing the smaller cons, though I highly recommend doing them, particularly when you're starting out. And that's what I did. The first, you know, three, half years, four years, you know, I was everywhere. And um, that's what you need to do to build a fan base. You need to be everywhere and talk to people and meet people. Um, uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't have changed a thing, but now I have to balance um, being able to, uh, to actually get things done mm-hmm. um, with uh, being, you know, being at a con and spending, you know, three to four days uh, of which essentially be lost creative time and make that worth it. So as you're working on this new Kickstarter, uh, what's the name of the project? The specific- it is called Ghosts and Demons. Ghosts and Demons. Yes. As as. And- it is, it's, you could say it's 
inspired by a, a short story I wrote a while a while ago called Herabide Monsters. Essentially, it's we go back to the origin story of Duncan the Ghost, who good he deserves it, his own story. Yeah, so Duncan Dun- Herabide Monsters is the origin story of Duncan the Ghost, and you meet Duncan in the uh, first issue of Boston Metaphysical Society, the very first issue. And you also meet him again in some other short stories I've written. Um, But what I did is kind of segue what happened to him in Herabide Monsters and what happens in Ghosts and Demons. So, I mean, I don't want to give away any spoilers, which is hard. Uh, Yeah, I bet. It's because... People who are passionate about their work just want to talk to everybody about every part of it. <laughs> and I'm the same way. And uh, this is this is one of the things that I've never understood about, uh, you know, people who think they have a good idea, but they're not sure. And th- they, they're so protective of it that it never sees the light of day. You know, it's, it, the pendulum can swing the other direction. Yeah, yeah. No, it's you have to achieve a balance. But essentially, if if you've read enough, if someone reads enough of between the short stories and the graphic novels, you're going to see linkage throughout mm-hmm. it all. And though I write things so they're standalone, if you read something else, uh, you know, a prose short story it starts filling in all this other stuff. It enriches. Everything else enriches everything else. And, um, which is also what I'm doing. It will, all of this will link back to the current novel I'm writing. So it's so all, every, everything is, everything is enriching linked. everything else. All part yeah. of the same tapestry. Yeah. That's neat. So are you working on the next part of the tapestry as you're working on this, uh, this Kickstarter? Or is it uh, is it an all-consuming thing? Yeah, unfortunately, I do have a first draft done of. Uh, it's going to be a series based in what I call the House Wars, mm-hmm. um, which is my version of the American Civil War, mm. and it's thirty-five years before the start of the graphic novel series. And um, I think we talked about that the last yeah. time you were with us. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a prequel to to the other novel, Storm Storm of Sequence, a Storm of Secrets, excuse me. And so, yeah, well, actually, I've got a first draft done. Uh, my beta readers, you know, sent back notes, and I've started rewriting, and then I essentially had to stop because, well, Kickstarter. Right. <laughs> everything stops and, for. Everything yeah, it stops for much that. Does. It, yeah. Yeah. You know, everything uh, stops for tea. <laughs> when it's time for tea, you stop. Um, it's, um, I'm just, um, that funny old song just popped into my head for some reason. Um, so, oh gosh. So when does the Kickstarter end? Is, you're, you're starting it tomorrow on the 22nd. So it's like 29 days after that. Mm-hmm. I have to go figure that out. 29 days. Interesting. I mean, so you're just a, a 30 day Kickstarter. Yeah. Just doing a 30 day Kickstarter. Yeah. So you define, do you find that that's the sweet spot? 
you know, for, for yeah, doing no, that? It's, it's, it's fine. It, it works. It works. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going with your standard 30 day. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll, it'll be fine. Uh, it's also what I'm, I'm accustomed to. And I really wouldn't want to go longer than that. Um, it's just exhausting. Yeah. And I think any shorter would just be too stressful. So mm-hmm. this is fine. Yeah, it's I've run Kickstarters myself, and uh, uh, I think I didn't really start to have any success with them until I bought your book (laughs) on (laughs) how to run a successful Kickstarter. Yeah, let's talk about that book. What's the name of that one? What's the name of the book again? Kickstarter for the Independent Creator. And I I bought the book. It's like something like nine bucks or something on on, uh, Amazon. And if if you are a creative and you are planning on doing a Kickstarter, this is worth every penny, especially if you're working on a graphic novel or comic, uh, because it's written in that context. Yeah, but it, most of it's applicable to any. Oh, yes, absolutely. Most of it is. And uh, the stuff about social media and how to incorporate uh, your approach to that into the the Kickstarter itself is just invaluable devi- uh, advice. And when I applied it, uh, our Kickstarter for our animated web series funded in a single day. There you go. There you go. And you can't get you a better go. recommendation than that. So yeah, the the key here is that one you read the book. And then you implemented it. You did the work that needed to be done. And I mean, that's something I <laughs> stress to people that, you know, a Kickstarter is a second full time job mm-hmm. and you need to approach it as a job and not just throw it up there and hope that something will stick. Um, Kickstarter has changed a lot in the past, you know, 10 years. The competition uh, particularly in comics, I think it has raised the bar for comics. I think the projects that are up there now are better than the ones eight years ago. <laughs> I, I well, they've had to be. You know, they they're all competing with each other. It's yeah. I mean, they're they're competing and they're not competing. I'm I'm actually working with um, four other creators where we're collaborating on um, cross promotion and. Uh, helping each other out in that way, and I'll, I'll probably, you know, uh, approach other creators as well as as the Kickstarter goes on. But I also see Kickstarter as a way for all of us to rise together. I was on a uh, I was on a webinar just last night uh, and talking with oh boy, I Nancy Fulton, I think her name is. Uh, and she is, she helps creators, um, uh, coordinate with one another and, and essentially, uh, do the same thing that you're just talking about here, which is help one another rise and learning how to use social media to do that, you know, as an adjunct to it. It's, it's sort of a special focus of hers. And, uh, I I think one of the comments that I had during the conversation was that 
any little by yourself, you can create a little spark, but nobody's going to see that spark unless you join it or weld it to a lot of other people who also have sparks. Yes. And then suddenly there's a bright point of light that attracts attention. And now you can get the attention you need, but you can't do it by yourself. It just, you no. just cannot do it by yourself. No, I mean, you, you, you can't operate in a vacuum. Uh, you, you just can't. And I mean, that's why it's really important, particularly early on, to establish good relationships with other creators, either online or at cons. And I, I can't tell you how much fun it is that, you know, someone, you know, I've been talking to, we've been friends online, and I'm able to, say, go back east and I go up to their table and they're looking at me like, who are you? And I said like, hi, I'm Madeline from Boston Metaphysical. And I'm like, oh my God. And then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, we must get a selfie, you know. It's uh -huh. like, it's my Facebook friend. and Because now you're a rock star. Um, well, back then I wasn't. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things where, you know, we all rose together and you, you're respectful to other people and – um, you know, it, it can all work out really well. I, I think, I think it goes, I like to think it goes a little deeper than that. I mean, people think, oh, how am I going to succeed? No, no, that's not how you think about this. You think about it as, as, my God, this is fun. I have to be around other people who think it's fun too. And we all share the experience together. Yes. Absolutely. That's that's the secret of it. That's the secret of it. It's not it, about me, me, me. It's about we, we, we. Correct. We. Correct. And and that makes all the difference. And that's the critical thing that people uh, people don't get. Over and over and over, they don't get it. And that's why Kickstarters fail. In a lot of cases. There are many reasons. Well, there are a lot of reasons, but that's one of, of the reasons. big. That's one of the big ones. Well, one of my favorite things to do is that uh, those people who do work for me, whether, you know, on the issue itself or a pinup or something, is I will also help them to get other work. And often in the process of doing the work for Boston Metaphysical, as you know, I do a lot of promotional mm -hmm. um, activities. Other people will see them and go like, oh. You know, I want to hire Gwen for a pinup. And so, yeah, Gwen has been hired by other people, other creators I know because they see her work and they go like, wow, she'd be perfect to do this thing for my Kickstarter and, you know, an extra stretch goal pinup or this or that. Or so for me, that's like that's a win win. Everybody wins. It's a great feeling too to know that you've helped somebody else rise. Um, and I know or Emily, before she got her, her storyboard gigs, that while she was working on uh, Boston Metaphysical, that she was getting other job offers. And it, it got to the point that I would ask the people, they said, oh, well, is you know, she available? I'd like to hire her. And I go like, well, you know, I'd ask them, do you have a budget? And when they just like <laughs> stare at me blankly or hem and haw, I did not waste your time. I did not pass mm -hmm. on that information. But if someone said like, yes, I have a budget of X, Y, Z, and I'm looking for someone to do, you know, A, B, C. And I said like, okay, you know, give me your email address. I will pass it on. But 
I would I would intentionally <laughs> filter out uh-huh. people who weren't serious or were just like, oh, well, you know, if you can do it for, you know, the exposure crap. Oh, no, um, we're I think she's so far beyond that. <laughs> oh, yes, that. Um, yeah, I mean, I was contacted through a a friend of a friend who was looking for an artist and I looked, I knew who the person was and I looked at the opportunity and, uh, he was very interested in Emily and I, you know, emailed her and I said, you really, this is a great opportunity. You should go work with him. (laughs) So hopefully she did, but no, I, I tried to, to screen out those who aren't serious or who are going to waste my artist or, or even my former artist time. I'm, your I'm just friend, your friend's not, time, you know, that's what I'm not going to do that. Not yeah. going to do that to them. So let's, Oh gosh, the coloring book is going to be how big? How many pages? Uh, it's 24 pages total interior, but it will have 20 illustrations. My, my, and the comic, uh, uh Ghosts and Demons. Uh, it's a 35-page story in a 44-perfect-bound book. Wow. Wow, that sounds cool. That's a lot of art. That is a lot of art. And what is the, what's the, what's the Kickstarter goal? What do you need to do to get it uh, uh, actually in motion? Uh, $4,850. That seems very small, <laughs> considering how good uh, Boston Metaphysical is. That seems like a very small goal. They could round well, it up to five thousand, but why? You know, you've got what mm. you need. And um, if they make five thousand, there's other goodies. You always have good, good stretch goals. Um, yeah, it's it's for printing and for incentives, uh-huh. um, and then we'll you know hopefully we'll. We'll do as well as we did last time, and and that will cover a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah, you don't seem to have much trouble hitting your stretch goals, I've noticed. People really uh, like what you do. Yeah, um, I already have, well, actually I have like five stretch goals already planned out. That's excellent. Um, that's uh, that's thinking. So, that's and, where I that's where I got trapped on my my uh, animated web series. I didn't think that far enough ahead. We needed- well, I, even in my book, I tell people that you should at least plan and budget for three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just in case so you've got them in your back pocket. Um, you know, I've been doing this. This is like this is number seven for me. <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah, I already have the the two prints that. Um, will be offered. They're actually already done. Um, artists are paid. <laughs> Wonderful. And um, I've got a like a comic, uh, a bundle of digitals. I'll probably have more, and you know, bookmarks and and yeah, I've got some other things planned. So uh, it's it's ready to go. That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been speaking with Madeline Holly Rosing, the creator and writer and producer and everything else uh, uh, of Boston Metaphysical Society, bostonmetaphysical.com. The new Kickstarter starts tomorrow, January 22nd. And 
the project is Ghosts and Demons and yes. the Coloring Book. Yes. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Event Horizon. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You have been listening to episode 212 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for January 25th, 2020. Our guest this evening has been Madeline Holly Rosing, author and creator of the hit graphic novel series and webcomic, Boston Metaphysical Society. Visit bostonmetaphysical.com to read the webcomic and to get more information on their newest Kickstarter for their third graphic novel installment called Ghosts and Demons. This episode will air again on January 26th, 2020 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow afternoon, that's Sunday, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the air times have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. If you are a Patreon subscriber you will be able to get this episode right away with no delay. Krypton Radio is listener-supported sci-fi geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and pledge $5 a month to help keep the station on the air. Give the gift of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi geek culture radio station. That's patreon.com slash kryptonradio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire, and the navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2020 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.